Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What's up, everyone's fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 265. Uh, kind of a um, a weird week last week. Um, unfortunately, we are no longer going to be with Heather Ingerson, the, the uh, former co-host of the, of the pod. Um, I want to say thank you to Heather for her three years of service. I truly appreciate that. She's a really good friend of mine of over 30 years. And uh, best of luck on her endeavors in the future. But um, with that being said, it's time to we got to keep the show moving forward. And uh, I brought on Kevin O'Keefe for, uh, to be the new uh, co-host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. So, and he is here with me right now. Kevin, what is up? And uh, thank you for coming aboard and 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 going on the the rest of this journey with me. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. I'm thrilled to be brought on. It's going to be a hell of a time. Um, I'm honored and. Uh, Big thanks to Heather, you know, for everything she did for the pod. And I hope that I can just, you know, continue it on. And, you know, I got some big shoes to fill. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. Um, we do have a big, big uh, agenda on the uh, on the show today. Lots of stuff to talk about. Um, there's going to be some high points and some very low points of our conversation. But um, we still have to put out a, a weekly program, and this is what we're going to do. We're just going to sit here, have fun, and talk about you know what's going on with this team lately. Um, but before we do that, we do have to talk about show sponsor, BetOnline.ag. The big game is finally here as we hit the 2022 NFL Super Bowl Sunday with the last game of the football season tomorrow between the L.A. Rams and Cincinnati Bengals. BetOnline.ag has you covered for all the odds, scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. 
betaline.ag is the number one spot for all your things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football, folks. BetOnline.ag has sports like basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC coverage that is the best in the business. From sports right now to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline.ag is your number one online wagering destination. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. Okay, you just heard me talk about BetOnline.ag. It's a fantastic website for all your betting services. I use it, and I know many others do too. And it's just a quality website, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And, but please use it responsible. Um, that's one thing I beg of everybody is don't don't bet more than you can. It's, it's not a very good thing. But anyway, we are here to talk some Boston Bruins. Kevin O'Keefe is with me. Let's get rolling. We got to start with the Pittsburgh game. Um, and I know that you watched this game along with me, myself. Uh, and it was, I mean, the first period, let's just let's just get right into it. The first period was was amazing, I thought. I was like, wow, this is going to be a good game. They really looked like they were matching up well. Pasternak, two goals right in a row. And, and everything looked good. But the infamous second period came around where the Boston Bruins tend to not have a hold of what they had in the, in the previous 20, and it really set the tone uh, for a bad loss. Um, that was a 4-2 to loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, Jeremy Swayman got the start in goal and, um, in my opinion, didn't look very well. Uh, very good, sorry. And... Um, the whole team just uh, really fell apart after that. And I, I think it was um, something to do with um, – now, we'll talk about that later on, about Brad Marchand. But um, what, what are your thoughts on this Pittsburgh game? Because it's it's got to be a, an aggravating point to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the thing that stands out to me is that first period was probably the best period of hockey I've seen this team play all season. Everything was working. Everything was clicking. Um, from the offensive zone to the defensive zone, it was just spot on. Um, you know, seeing Pasenak score goals, you always love to see that. Um, to see Taylor Hall be the primary source of those goals as well is something you really want to see. It shows that those two are really starting to really starting to click, um, and that's something that you need. You definitely need on this team. Um, the second period, yeah. It all fell apart. I don't really understand what it is with this team that makes it so once the second period comes along, they just kind of let up. Um, and it's not only the second period. It seems like the third period seems to be a problem as well. Um, it, they start hot and they just can't finish. And uh, old Bruin, Dayton Heinen, <laughs> wanted to spoil the party. So um, – that was tough to see, but like you said, Jeremy Swayman, he definitely had a really shaky, really not so good um, second period there. Uh, first period, I thought he was great, um, but in that second period, he just, I don't know, I, I can't blame him for the first goal. I mean, there was a beautiful move and a, and a great pass for Dayton Heinen's goal there, but that second goal, you have to have that. You know, I don't care if you're Tukarask, I don't care if you're Allmark, I don't care who you are, you have to have that. 
that's just one of those ones that is a backbreaker for a team. Um, the third goal, I mean, there was a lot of pressure being put on by the um, by the power play for the for the Penguins, and I mean, it just it snuck by. I, I I can't really say I blame Swayman for that goal because there was a lot of movement going on in, in kind of like a trapezoid right around the crease. Um, it, he got a piece of it, but he, he couldn't get all of it, and it's in the net. Uh, you got to be better. That's just what it boils down to. And then you come out in the third period, and I mean, you just can't bury one. I mean, Jari had a great game, of course, but you gotta you gotta be able to bury some of these chances. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, that's been a, a focal point for this Boston Bruins team for a few seasons now. Is the finish? Is is you got to get to the get there and finish it. Um, let's not try to get too fancy getting to the net and creating havoc. I find a lot of the play is still going to the wide side, working your way in and not straight through it, where a lot of teams have difficult defending that when you're coming right at them. But I don't know. I mean, adjustments can be made and so on, but, you know, it, it didn't help any better that you lost two people, the two players that we're going to talk about later on in, uh, in this game. So um, just a tough one. You know, this is this is a, a team that if this Boston Bruins team, if they make the playoffs, this is uh, possibly a second round team. If they make it, let's just, let's emphasize that if they make it, I'm not guaranteeing anything right now, you know, and, and the next game we're going to talk about, you want to hit that right now? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, first I think we should quickly just note, you know, Patrice Bergeron was lost in this game. Yeah, uh, It was a fluke accident. It was one of those things that, I mean, I can't fault Crosby for that. It was, it was an accident. You know, it's one of those things that you don't want to see happen, but it happened. And with Bergeron's um, head injury, um, you know, history that he's had, that's got to worry you. Um, you know, he what he didn't play for Carolina, you know, the game we're about to speak on now. And we're not exactly sure when he's going to play. Um, the only good news is, is that they haven't came out and said, yeah, he's done for a while you know you haven't heard anything long term so that's promising news they're they're just you know babying it making sure he's okay and that works for me yeah um in my opinion it was just a one of those it was a hockey collision it happens uh quite often actually but uh unfortunately bergeron was close to the boards and the way he left his feet came crashing down on the back of his head uh, close to the dasher and so on. Um, and obviously we hope that he's he's doing okay. Uh, he's ruled out for the game tomorrow afternoon in Ottawa. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of uh, internet traction on this one. There's there's so many people calling it a slew foot and Crosby should have been suspended. Oh, Crosby should have been, um, you know, uh, for interference. Um, you know, the interference is, I could, I could buy into that a little bit, but I, I just thought it was more or less just an accidental play. No egregious, um, you know, efforts on, on the, on the part of the Pittsburgh superstar. And, and also I heard from, um, from a good friend, I actually, I can't say his name because he does work for the Bruins in the medical uh, field and the medical staff that uh, he talked to Bergeron and, and Berge said that there was no egregious there. It was just a, it was, a, it was a, you know, a tough play. It was just one of those decision things that, you know, we got our feet tangled up a little bit, and you know, he was uh, unfortunately the, the 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 player that benefited from the um, the contact. And I'm not saying benefit in a good way. It was it was just one of those uh, freak accidents. So I uh, hope the best for Bergie. But I mean, you really, 
I think he really took an emotional toll out of that Pittsburgh with his loss, you know, and, and obviously it carried on into the Carolina game, which we're going to talk about right now. And I know that you weren't available to watch the game due to previous um, arrangements, but there's really not much to talk about because the Boston Bruins just seemingly didn't even show up for this game. They were down Marshan, who was, who was serving his first game of his suspension. They were down Bergie, and it was just it was flat. It was completely flat. Um, there was no pushback at all. It was it was very hard to watch. And I and I don't I, I really don't care if they're getting their ass beat and so on. But I still try to keep an eye on them and so on. But that was like I'm I'm hovering over the freaking clicker, going, "There's got to be something better on." But I normally don't. Yeah, I don't normally don't do that. Um, you know, Jack Sadika got into the game, and I thought he played really well, regardless of the freaking six to nothing beating. I thought that there were moments that he made some solid impacts in his return to the uh, to the NHL after after a while being down in Providence and so on. I thought Charlie McAvoy. I thought he had a really good game physically, and I think he was that physical aspect. Um, to try to get the guys pumped up. You know, he got into a fight. He was laying freaking hits. You know, it was just, he was a madman out there, to be honest with you. Uh, but there was, there was well, just two solid players out of out of 20 that that needed to step up in this game against a very, very good team. And I get it. We're minus two uh, unbelievable leaders. And I, I get the emotional toll. But for me personally, Where's the next man up mentality in situations like this against a team like Carolina? And if you make the playoffs, this is this is what you're going to see in the first round because the Boston Bruins right now are sitting in the second wild card spot. They are seven points ahead of Detroit. But watch out for freaking uh, Columbus because Columbus has 45 points and they're on a two-game winning streak. If this gets any more worse for, for Boston and Columbus all of a sudden gets hot or Detroit, They've won the last game. The then, Islanders, well, yeah, the the Islanders have won too. You know, and and, and I'm not, I don't know if I want to go so far down to consider Jersey a threat, but still, it's just like, oh, where was that that next man up? That that we need you at 110. percent We understand it's probably not reasonable, but try for it. I just didn't see any try in this game at all. Yeah, and before I get into my assessment of what you just said. Um, one thing I do need to ask you is how was uh, Studnika's size? How do you look out there? How was his size? I think he looked good. I um, he was using his body really, really good along the boards, and I I I was really impressed with his passing and his like, it was like more or less like a no no look backhand, and right to like I think it was Lazar. And then who tried to one time it, and then Freddie was right there trying to like uh, thread the needle home. But I thought he was playing well physically. Um, he was engaged in that type of uh, type of game. But and I think that impressed uh, the Boston Bruins staff. If you want to consider like um, you know more games, obviously you know that's um, going to be on the premises of uh, how many how many games Bergeron's going to be out you know, to see him, but I think he earned another game. I think he earned a game in Ottawa and possibly against Detroit on um, Tuesday. Uh, um, the Rangers on Tuesday, sorry. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's um, it's funny because all we heard about all summer was, oh, he put on 15 pounds, 15 pounds. Well, now you got to see it in action. I wish I was able to see it. I watched a bit of highlights, and 
One thing I can say about this game without even watching it is that I, I see a lot of people making excuses. They were out Marshan, they were out Bergeron. Okay, they were out Marshan, they were out Bergeron. We, you know, that's understandable. But to go out there and to perform the way they did, that's unexcusable. There's no excuses for, for playing the way they did. Um, I mean, I understand mismatches are created when your second line becomes your first line and your third line becomes your second line. I mean, there's a lot of mismatching going on, but you still got to play hard. And from the sound of it, they didn't even play hard. They just kind of went out there and said, we're losing this game. We know we're losing this game. So let's go out there and just lose the game. And that's something you don't want to see because it's next man up mentality, like you said. And what's going to happen in the playoffs if Bergeron goes down? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Yep. You know? I mean, I understand, you know, Hall is not a 2C. I get that. He's working with these two-star players, which is fantastic. And I understand that Coyle is, hasn't worked out in that spot either. Um, so they th those guys need to step up. If, you know, if Sweeney doesn't get someone to fill in one of those roles, like a second-line center or a first-line center role, um, yeah, I mean, Bergeron goes down. They're pretty much toast. And, you know, I'm not advocating for him to get a second-line center, of course. I mean, he's going to do what he needs to do. I think that defense needs a lot of help. But a game like this really shows you how far your depth can bring you. And it looks like it's not going to bring you very far. Um, interesting. Um, since we're on the Carolina game right now, it was an interesting roster move that um, that Oscar Steen, who's been playing, I, I believe, really well yep. with the Boston Bruins club lately uh, since his recall, uh, has, has made impacts to keep him in the lineup. It, but it's weird that, um, and I'm a Trent Frederick guy. I don't care what anybody says. I, I don't. I don't understand. I understand that that, that you know this. He makes some stupid plays, but I don't. I don't want to like cancel his whole career because he's having some problems on the ice um, and trying to get it. I think he's young enough. I think he's going to get it. I was kind of dumbfounded to see him in the lineup and Oscar Steen sent down. And that immediately navigated me to he's getting shot. You know, it's like, why would you do that? You know, I mean, you could put Frederick up on, you know, have him as that 13th, 14th forward. I get that. But in situations like this, when you need your, all your best players, and I'm not saying Steen is going to like rip up the, the the score sheet and hat tricks and and you know ten assists in a game or anything like that, but he adds that little bit of element of speed, a little bit of uh, grittiness that you know we've seen in the past and so on. And we that, that wins games. He adds a lot of it. Um, I just I didn't understand that move to be honest with you, but it was good to see that Frederick was in the lineup and healthy. Above every, anything, it was healthy because nobody really knew what was going on after that. Um, I don't remember the game when he got he got hit or something, and then got real frustrated. It broke his stick and everything, and then and then was off the ice, and nobody ever heard from him after that. And he was just listed as day to day upper in, upper body injury. Yeah, I, I don't remember which game that was either, but um, you know, Frederick, he's a he's an interesting player. He's got he's got some tools that he can really work with. He just gets himself into too much trouble. Um, but when it comes to the Steen aspect of things, I totally agree. Seeing Steen out of the lineup um, was a bummer. Um, it's just he's one of those players that never gives up. Like, if he was playing in that Carolina game, 
he probably would have been one of the best forwards on the ice because that kid never gives up. He's constantly in board battles. He's constantly fighting for the puck. If he gives the puck away, he is skating a thousand miles per hour trying to get it back. He's just that type of player. And that's the type of player you need in your lineup. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to the next topic. Um, This was on Tuesday during the game uh, against the Penguins, but uh, the athletic writer, um, Fluto Shinzara reported that uh, Tuka Rask, longtime goaltender, 15 years, franchise leader in statistics, most of them anyway, was going to hang him up. And, and the next day, in fact, it did happen. Tuka Rask um, uh, announced his retirement from the team. And, um, you know, it's he gave it a go. I got to give him credit for that. Is He battled back from a, a, a surgery that no, – uh, the hip is a very pivotal point for a goaltender. It's very tough to come back from. And, yeah. uh, you know, Ben Bishop, I believe, did the same thing or something like that. Yep. Timmy Thomas did it with, with success. It's not always successful, put it that way. Right. But he, I give him credit for coming back and, and, and giving it a whirl and then being honest about it and saying, you know what, I can't do it. And I don't want to put this team in any more of a difficult position with the current goaltending system that they have right now, yeah. which was which was working. Before Tuca came, but I still I still give credit to the player and the organization for giving it one more go. You know that that's a very quality thing from an organization to to treat a vet like that. At least give it a shot. Let's see what we got, and then. But um, kudos to him for just saying I've had enough. Let these guys go, and uh, you know here here we are. I look forward to. Um, to see in Tuke around Boston. I heard he's going to be staying here. This is like kind of his adopted home um, and his future in hockey or without, I don't, it, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it's good that he's going to be spending a lot more time with family and uh, doing the retirement thing. You know, maybe he's, he's going to be the next drummer for, for Metallica, you know, who knows when that, that Lars Ulrich will freaking, you know, walk off and here comes Tukes. There's, there's your next million dollar freaking, you know, uh, paycheck. But right. I, to right. be serious, you know it, it's tough to see him go because he was my one of my favorite players um, throughout the, the his career, and um, you know I'm a big goalie guy. So, and uh, you know I've uh, I watched him when he was before he was drafted by Toronto when he was playing in Finland and so on, and um, and the trade with Andrew Raycroft and then through Providence and then right into the NHL. Um, I think he was a really good goaltender, and and um, his his stats prove it. You know, uh, I know there's a lot of haters out there and so on, and I, I totally get it. But um, you got to give the man credit for uh, going in there, doing what he had to do, and um, you know, I don't, I, I just don't want to blame him for any any of what so many people blame him for. It's just it's wow. It's like really whack jobs out there. It's, it's insane, man. I mean, first off, before I comment on all that, I, I want to say, you know, to Rask, I know you're not going to hear this. Maybe you will. And if you do, that's freaking awesome. But right. um, thank you so much for everything you did for this city. Uh, you were easily in my opinion, and I'm sure the opinion of a lot of other people, the best goaltender this franchise has ever seen. Um, it, I mean, I know you don't have the the win as a starter, which everyone uses as the measuring stick for whether you are good or not. But um, no, you you did everything you could, um, it, at least it, 
on on an individual standpoint, I can say you did everything that you could to be the best goaltender you could be. And, um, you know, when it comes down to your family, your family comes first, you know, when, when with the whole bubble situation, that is something that, you know, you had to take care of. And the true the, the true people who back you know 100 percent that was the decision to make. And we're happy for you that you get to now spend that time with your family. And um, that's what I want to say on that. But, yeah, you're right when it comes to the goaltending situation. Uh, Rask comes in. You make that deal 10 times out of 10 if you're Sweeney. Um, you, especially prorated. Prorated, um, you know, $1 million deal. I mean, how do you say no to that? If he's healthy, he's a top five goaltender in the league. Easy. Yeah. yeah. So how do you say no to that? You don't. Sweeney did the correct thing. And that shows that he also did the correct thing by bringing in Elmark. If he didn't bring in Elmark, what do we have? I mean, maybe he would have got another goaltender that is more of like a um, like a stopgap. But you no longer – you don't need a stopgap at this point. You need someone who can be there and mm. play for you for the next possibly four years, which is his contract. Um, because with the way Swayman's playing, who knows when he's going to be ready. We, I mean, he's not – <laughs> and, this, and this brings us all the way back to, you know, we should have started the season with Vladar and Swayman. Yikes. I'm so happy that you guys are seeing how wrong you were. I mean, yeah. not to shove it in your face or anything like that, but shit, I am shoving it in your face. You do not, <laughs> you do not start the season with two rookie goaltenders when you are quote unquote all in. Yeah. To come. That makes no sense. That'd be horrible general managing. And uh, Don Sweeney made the fantastic decision to uh, grab a guy like Ulmark to come in and be that guy who can hold the crown here in case uh, Rask wasn't able to come back. And it turns out he wasn't able to. So that was one of those things that um, good job, Sweeney. That's all I can say. Good job on that whole goaltending situation. Um, now, I mean, I'm sure they were banking on Rask being okay though, because now you're going into the, you know, you're going into the playoffs with, Let's face it, two goaltenders who have never really played playoff hockey. Um, so that defense is going to have to be pretty solid. It's going to have to be pretty damn good. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens. But, again, thanks, Dukes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I, I got to say this because it's been on – it's weighing on my chest a lot since it, since he retired – but is the, is the narrative of how can you support and how can you honor a guy that quit on his team? How how did you folks out there support Tim Thomas? I mean, obviously winning a Stanley Cup and setting the bar for goaltending in this town, pretty much. Because if you don't win a cup, you're absolute shit. Yep. So, um, yeah, great. Yep. <laughs> the, uh, but Tim Thomas also quit on his team. I don't. I, I just want to say something like this. I, you know, going back and 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 thinking about Tim Thomas's career, goalies wear their, um, you know, how they put their heart on their sleeves and so on. Goalies put their emotions on their helmets. Okay, so back when Thomas was a goaltender, he had a very colorful black, black and gold, and you know, really nice helmet. But when his when his value was at a peak high, the Bruins were trying to move him, and he changed the helmet. 
There was no, yeah, there was no gold. It was just white, basically. That I mean, it, this goes back to Jer um, to Jeremy Porter. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> We're not there yet. Exactly. It, it goes back to Martin Broder. Martin Broder just did the same thing when he was a little frustrated with the uh, New Jersey Devils back in the day. Tim Thomas also said, I need, a, I need a year off because I need to find family and faith. Well, so did Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask went to find his family because they needed him. It, somebody was sick, you know. But why does Thomas always get a pass for taking a whole year off and putting $5 million on that cap? And then, and then having the the um, the Boston Bruins organization navigate around that, that kind of stuck it to them as he took a whole year. So, I don't know why he gets a always gets a pass. It's probably because he's got this, the hardware to to do so. But still, it's it, you know, if you're talking about leaving the team, let's keep it equal here. Yeah, you know, it's because he won this team a cup by himself. He scored all the goals. He, um, you know, blocked all the shots, <laughs> saved all the pucks. Uh, he won that by himself. If it wasn't, for, if it wasn't for Tim Thomas, it wouldn't have been a cup in 2011. Now, I'm saying that facetiously, obviously, but yeah. obviously we know that Tim Thomas was a huge part of that of that cup run. A huge part. Absolutely. He had a legendary. Um, he had a legend, a pretty much legendary run, and we thank him for that. We love Tim Thomas. We're not hating on him here. No, nope. we're just trying to we're just trying to show you. You need to be able to not be a hypocrite about the situation. You gotta take both situations, look at them, and say, okay, yeah. uh, if Tuca's mentally weak, well, so isn't Tim Thomas. If yeah. Thomas quit on the team, well, so didn't Brask. I mean, you just gotta look at it that way and. I just, I'm just, I'm sick of the narrative. I'm sick and tired of it, you know, and it's not going to end either. We're going to no, hear of course not. years and years and years. Not, not until the first goaltender that we see this point moving forward when I cop, that's the bar. That's the bar. And it's really sad. Um, you know what? I'm going to save that for later on. I was going to talk about Sway, but we, we have a whole, we have a topic for that. So, yeah, but it is unfortunately the bar and that's where everybody just stays at and, you know, if you don't meet the, if you don't meet this certain expectations in the city, you know, I blame the Patriots for this. The Patriots did so good; it set the it set a bar for every other team in the in the in Boston. So, right. screw football. That's good. All right, uh, moving on to the next topic. Um, hey, guess what? The Boston Bruins are going to participate in another Winter Classic, and this one's going to be at Fenway Park again. Um, one of the worst venues for a, a winter classic, in my opinion, uh, just for the just for the fact is that the seating arrangements uh, in 2010, we had seats uh, to the uh, alumni game and I got seats all the way down to the uh, to the dugout, basically. But we couldn't see nothing. And it was pretty bad. But it was cool to walk around and, you know, hit all the, uh, the beer tents and everything like that. But uh the atmosphere was unbelievable. I'll tell you that right now. The place, even for an alumni game, the place was absolutely packed. But um, it's going back. Hopefully, you know, it'll be a little better. But um, it is rumored to be against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And obviously, we all know that the Fenway group bought the Pittsburgh Penguins, or that sale is still in process, whatever. Um, what are your thoughts about the uh, the game returning to Fenway? And um, do you like the Winter Classic, by the way? 
I absolutely love the Winter Classic. I think it's fantastic for the league. It's a great way to generate some revenue. It's also fun for the fans because you're watching an outdoor game. I think one of the things, though, that's kind of killing the allure of the Winter Classic is these stadium games. I mean, yeah, it's cool to have a few other ones, but I, I feel like it, just keep it to the Winter Classic. Let it be that that one thing. You know, That's like if you were to have like two Stanley Cups you know what I mean? It's like just the one, you know, you win the one Stanley Cup. Well, you have the one winter classic. It's got a good alert to it. But I, I love it. I mean, I remember when the Fenway Park one happened um, back in, what was it, 2010? I, I remember um, I was watching it from work. I was a busboy. I was just out of high school. I was, um, God, I was 19 or so. I was like 19 years old or so, 20 maybe. I don't know. But I was just – I remember trying to watch the game. I couldn't really watch it. So, I mean, I would have rather been at Fenway, you know, sitting next to Pesky's pole, not being able to see it, <laughs> to be cleaning up people's freaking trash off the table trying to watch the game. Um, but no, I, I love the Winter Classic. I, I think it's great. It's going back to Fenway. It's a fantastic location for the league to um, showcase this game. Uh, but like you said, the seating, I mean, hopefully they have an idea to kind of remedy that situation and make it, a bit easier for the people who are going to be spending mountains of money. Let's be real on these tickets. Um, you could probably be sitting in the worst seats and still be paying over a hundred plus dollars. Um, it's, it's going to be quite the event and I, I can't wait. Yeah. I was listening to uh, Marina's morning skate today and they had Feidelberg on um, and they, they were actually talking about something that I never really thought of is when, when the seats come down at Fenway and they level off, and you and you can only see basically up from the you know your torso up. What about if they put like staging and and stands in the outfield, like along the the green monster and all that, to get everybody a little higher? You know, yeah. I mean, not a not a bad idea at all. That maybe that's something that could be in the works to get more people involved in in the game. And um, you know, obviously it's a it's a money. Um, revenue it's a revenue freaking uh um jesus i can't even think of the name now but it, it's a ton of money for the league ton of money for the area i mean it brings in millions and millions of dollars just for just you know the shops and bars and restaurants all around uh it's going to be beneficial for everybody but you know just i, I just really want to see people that when they go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a ticket they're also you know know that Make sure you really see where you're buying your ticket from, and not just right. if you want to. If you want to be there for the atmosphere, spend all the money you want, whatever. But if you want to actually see the game, you got to do your homework. Yeah, I mean, the the NHL did say that this Winter Classic was going to be a bit different, so maybe that is the difference. Maybe they will add some seating like that that will make it a lot more enjoyable for the, um, you know, the, the patrons of the game to really enjoy it. Um. We might as well just uh, incorporate this the next topic uh, into this conversation about the um, what does the 2023 Winter Classic do for upcoming free agent Patrice Bergeron? Does he sign another season to participate? That's interesting. Um, if you asked me before he slimmed to the boards uh, on Tuesday night, right. I would have said 
he's 100% coming back for this. Like there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to sign at least another year to be a part of this, knowing that the fans absolutely adore him. And this would be an amazing platform to see him on one last time, especially if it's against a guy like Sidney Crosby. I mean, that's a once in a lifetime thing to view. Patrice Bergeron versus Sidney Crosby for the winter classic at Fenway park. It's once in a lifetime. Um, So what an amazing event, you know, that can be. Um, But after the hit, it's up in the air for me because I got to see how he responds from this. I got to see how he rebounds. Does he come back and he's not the same player? Does it mess him up? Um, Or is he absolutely fine and just needed a a, a few games off and he's absolutely fine. We don't know yet. Um, But if he is okay and healthy, Absolutely. I see him, you know, resigning for another year um, and playing this game. If not, though, I mean, I think he'll listen to his body because he does have a family who, like Rask, he cares a lot about. So um, that's that's all I got on that, Mark. Yeah, um, there was there was a couple articles that went out from some pretty predominant, you know, sports writers here in Boston that cover the, the Bruins um, that said that in, in an interview about the Winter Classic, Bergeron, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, Bergeron was noted to say that he's looking forward to participate in, in the event. So that kind of gave Bruins fans and myself, and I probably you too, a little bit of wood there, saying that, hey, he's coming back for one more. And, um, you know, to see, to, to, to finish what we started here is, you know, obviously he got a cup in 2011 but wants to go out on a, on a higher end, you know, and you can't blame him. He, the guy's been an absolute warrior. He's the captain of the team. Now he's been a leader for a lot more years than the, he's been wearing the seat. Um, but I mean, there's, there's speculation there, but it's also, this was also before the hit happened too on Tuesday. So, um, and that remains to be seen. So, I mean, and, Another Jesus, we're gonna work on this topic stuff, Kevin. Uh, we might as well uh, segue into the next one with Bergeron going down against Pittsburgh. Um, what is this injury could mean for his uh, immediate future moving forward? I want to. I, I want to go first, if you don't mind. Um, I think this is one of the reasons why Patrice didn't want to negotiate during the year. I think that that was a very unselfish thing for him to do was to say, listen, let's go year by year to see how my body actually takes the the beating. And he does take a beating. We've seen it this year. We've I've actually seen more this year than I have in the past where the opponents are really targeting him to get him off his game or to target him to get like a guy like Marshand off his game and or others that that might come in and and, and help support uh Captain Patrice. Um it, I mean, it really all depends on how he feels and so on. But, you know, we, like we talked about earlier, these one extra year deals are all well and good. But if he doesn't and he can't feel it, I don't blame him by by packing it up and so on. But I really would love to see one more season and obviously one more season at Fenway, um, uh, you know, a good winter classic farewell tour kind of sort of, you know. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's just one of those tough areas because with going year to year, I think that's great because he can constantly look at what his um, what his level of skill is at and his in his play and all that, and he can kind of decide like you know, hey, I think I'm worth this much this year, and it kind of he he can help the team sort of in the cap area. Um, but the other kind of part of that is you don't know when he's going to hang him up. 
you have no idea. So that makes things a little bit different when it comes to planning for life after Bergeron. Um, I feel like you're going to be very proactive on this is starting. I mean, I, I obviously I wouldn't be mad if the Bruins were to go out and get a guy like a JT Miller. Um, Tom, Tomas Hurdle is definitely not coming here or anywhere. He's staying a shock for sure. So if, if you're looking for a guy who can come in, it's either a, G, a guy like a JT Miller or a, uh, or a McCann. And do I think either one of those guys can take over for Bergeron? Maybe Miller can, but not for what Bergeron could do. But I mean, he could probably be um, a, a sort of a stopgap top line guy. But I mean, I'd rather them look at this in the offseason where you might have more options and you might be able to get better deals done because the deadline can be kind of like overpay central, especially when it comes to a player of this caliber. Um, it, it's, it's tough. I mean, I just want Bergeron to play forever, obviously. Yeah, I mean, no chance. <laughs> I mean, I'd love that. But unfortunately, it's going to be coming to an end soon. And, um, you know, this this um, unfortunate thing that happened during the Pittsburgh game just kind of snaps you back to reality. Like, oh, my God, like he's literally one hit away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. Um Let's move on from uh, talking so much, Patrice. Uh, that was that was a, a lot. Uh, but let's go back to a, a line mate. Let's talk about him. Moving on to the next topic is the Brad Marchand antics on uh, Tuesday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know what started this whole thing. I'm not sure if you know. I think that it had something to do with Tristan Jarry, the Pittsburgh goaltender, slashing Charlie Coyle. I think that's what a lot of people are – kind of like gravitating to say that that's where it all started. I think if, if Charlie Coyle got slashed, that he's a big enough boy that he could turn around and, and fend for himself. I don't think he needs Bergeron to do his, his fighting for him. Uh, but the antics just uh, picked up after that. It just became a real circus, in my opinion. And um, I'm a huge Brad Marchand fan. I love his talent. He's, he's like one of, I'm not saying like, he probably is one of the best top three left wingers in the league. I think I, I think I speak pretty good about that. Um, but I think his antics were pretty selfish, in my opinion. And even he said in his press conference today um, that said he let his team down. And, uh, and, and selfish and letting your team down are pretty much kind of, you know, the same. Uh, right. and, and I've gotten a lot of uh, kickback on the whole selfish word and how it's explained and so on. But, you know, in, in context, that's exactly what he did is he left he's left his team down. He was selfish and um, we're paying for it right now. We obviously we obviously saw it uh, when he's not on the ice against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's not helping, you know, and, and obviously against a team like Carolina uh, uh, two days later, that's not helping either. Um, hopefully we can get a rebound. We'll talk about the games that are coming up next week uh, or and tomorrow, but still. He, he's got five more games he's got to serve. This is not any help to this team. So no. it's old Brad Ma Brad Marchand antics that uh, keep coming back. His history has proven to get him more and more in trouble. And he understands that. He totally gets it. But it, on the ice, his emotions were a little off the charts. And he's a, he plays with passion. I totally get it. Uh, reading the articles today. But he's also got to know that the league is constantly on his ass about stuff like this. 
and it's got to stop from here on in. And I think that that was something that him and Don Sweeney talked about uh, yesterday when Sweeney came out and said he's very remorseful. He he feels he left the team down and blah blah blah. But um, what what did you think about the suspension and and what you saw on Tuesday? Yeah, so th- I don't think the coil incident really started anything. I mean, maybe it kind of just added some more wood to the fire, but this was going on for a lot of the game. They were, you know, going back and forth, you know, jabbing at each other, um, you know, chirping each other. Um, You know, there's a video of Jari trying to uh, pass a puck over the glass to a – to a, a young Penguins fan and Brad Marchand comes around and hits his stick, and grabs the puck and skates away with it. I'm not going to lie. That is some funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I liked it myself, you know, <laughs> that is funny. I was cracking up when I saw that. Um, but then when you get to the end of the game and the game's lost and you just lose your cool like that and you just do a stupid thing like that. I mean, that's God. I mean, that's Marsh Mount stuff, you know, like that's not even Marshan stuff. This guy's like doc, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. I, they doc, you know, whatever. How are you, how are you say that? I'm probably messing that up, but <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm a hockey guy, right? I'm not a literature guy. Yeah, exactly. I'm not the only one on this podcast that fumbles words. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, I mean, you look at that in, it, it's like, Ah man, it's like, come on, dude. Like you were doing he was doing so well for a while, you know. He kind of gravitated away from this stuff, but this is why I've always said I don't think this guy's ever gonna be a captain of this team. When Bergeron leaves, I can't see them giving the captaincy to a guy who disrespects the crest on his jersey like that. I mean, for me, I'm all about the Boston Bruins. Um, I'm not all about Brad Martian. I love, I think Brad Martian's a fantastic player. I enjoy watching him on the ice, but if you're going to embarrass my team, well, I mean, yeah, my team, the team that I root for, the team that I technically put money into, going to games, buying jerseys, all of that. If you're going to disrespect my team like that, I don't really know how much more this organization is going to take of that. I mean, it's, it's got to come to a head at some point. I mean, there's a lot of people saying that the injury, um, uh, yeah, that the, um, the, the whole incident itself was never going to injure Jerry. I mean, I understand that it was, he was in no danger, but the league's sick of it. This is where you see the six games. If it was up to me and I was in that league office, I would have given double digits because his rap sheet is so long. I'm I'd be sick of it. You know, he's never really been taught a lesson, obviously. he. I mean, he's appealing the suspension, by the way. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. I did see that today. Yeah. Well, he, there was a time frame that he had to had to do it. And I think it was uh, by midnight tonight. So as soon as that presser was over, um, I think he, he was meeting with the NHLPA to start the paperwork on the on the uh, on the appeal. So yep. that is in process and we'll see where it goes from there. But still, it's, you know. Uh, to be honest, he might he he might get some games knocked off just due to the fact that it wasn't a dangerous play. That's fine. that's fine with me because it, it's fine with he, me too because the Bruins. He, need. Yeah, he's better on the ice than he is off the ice, and I you know I'd rather not see him do the whole six. I mean, if it gets knocked down to four, maybe three, even better. You know, right. um, I, just, I I need I need him to be taught a lesson. I really do because 
I don't think he, he always says, oh yeah, I learned from this. Uh, this is never going to happen again, but he goes out there and does something stupid again. And it's the same song and dance. He needs to be taught a lesson. Um, I understand he's a Boston Bruin, but I, I, I can't just sit by and not speak my mind on that. Um, it's, I mean, he's got to, he's got to represent what's on his Jersey, you know, on the front of his Jersey, a lot better than the name on the back. Yep. And that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. We got about 15 more minutes before we take a break. Let's get a couple more. And these look like some, uh, some quick ones that we can do. Is this Boston Bruins team only a couple pieces away from being a Stanley cup contender? How many, how many do you think Kevin? my god which which night are we talking about i mean (laughs) sometimes you don't even know who this team is one day they look like they're a couple pieces away one day they look like crap all they really need is a couple depth pieces and they're fine um but as of today my god it looks like they need it looks like they really need maybe two or three pieces with at least one or two of them being significant Mm -hmm. i mean in order to really, really push these top contending teams. Um, I understand, you know, I always talk about how <clears throat> the defense is the biggest importance, and I stand by that. I think they need a significant upgrade for that top four on the left side, and they need a big-bodied guy who can step in on that on that um, bottom pairing of the right side and really solidify that um, because Clifton is too wishy-washy. Um, you know, so it's – get you got to get two solid pieces in there and they got to be bigger pieces like you know like bigger guys i mean like i love grizzly don't get me wrong i love grizzly i think the grizzly and mcavoy pairing is fantastic i mean the the analytics show that but the guy is just he i feel like he's just too easy to hurt you know do you want to go into a playoffs banking on the fact banking on a guy like Matt Grizzlick to stay 100% healthy. I mean, you put Carlo in that, in that same breath. Um, you know, if you're banking on Carlo and Grizzlick to stay healthy for a playoff run, you've already seen what happens when one of them goes down. Could you imagine if both of them went down? I mean, it's, you got to get bigger and tougher back there. And I used to be one of those guys who was just like, Oh no, the game's different. You don't need that. You do. Yeah. You really still do. I mean, yeah. look at, Look at Tampa, you know, Tampa's defense, the, you know, the, the past two cup winners. Yep. They got big, you know, sizable defenders who are solid and can run over anyone. I mean, you need a little bit of grip back in your game if you're Boston. Yep. And, and I was the same. I was like, let's, let's run with like four lines of depth scoring, scoring, you know, wins games at the end of the, at the end of the buzzer, whether it be, 60 minutes, 65 minutes, or a shootout. Whoever scores that next goal or the most goals in a game is the winner. And that's what I really wanted. But, you know, I got to be honest, and, and people were, like, really getting on me, but they were doing it for a reason to, to show me that it does, in fact, work when it comes to winning in the playoffs. You need that jam. You need the size. You need that pain in the ass to play against. Um and uh, I'm starting to realize it too. So um, for me, I really want to see, and it's kind of weird is like early in the season, I'm like, I think we need a defenseman. This is like early, early in the season. Yep. Later on, as, as you know, we get to the midway point, which just passed not too long ago. I'm like, damn, I think we might need two. Yeah. You know, 
And then we're here. We're here on Friday, February 11th, and I'm saying we might need two defensemen and a forward. Now, am I, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure if I'm, like, bought in on the full 2C yet. Agreed. I want to see – we're still five, maybe five and a half, six weeks away from the trade deadline. Yep. We're running out of time because we're in a wild card spot. But I want to see if we can do it internally. But I also don't want to see us get into an 11th hour, pushed in the corner situation where – we're we're cramming for something, and and it's not the right piece. Uh, it you didn't get it in time to create chemistry with other players and so on. You went right to the deadline. You you tried to address that, and you never know what you're going to get after that and in the first round if you even make it. Um, so, I, I I I need to see multiple pieces. The sad part about all this, Kevin, is. With all this wishy-washy, I mean, I mean, wishing, wishing, sorry, washy came in out of nowhere. Um, all this wishing for these these extra pieces that we need to like make a run. I don't see us having that, and I don't because of the fact is that we don't have the assets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not on board with trading away a guy like Lissell. Um I'm I'm not even thrilled about trading away a guy like Lori. I mean, it's like. And Swayman is completely off the table if he was ever on it now with uh, Rasp being gone, unless they were looking to maybe shop the goal, which is another thing I want to talk about. Uh, I mean, the goaltending market, um, Sweeney might look at it a bit. He might. Swayman, you know, I don't know if he's ready. Allmark's never played a playoff game. I mean, I'm not saying that means that he's looking for a starter, but he might be looking for another insurance policy. He might. You never know. You got a long stretch ahead of you to even get into the playoffs. He was banking on having those three goaltenders in Ras Swayman and Ulmark. Well, you don't have that anymore. And Swayman hasn't proven that he can play very well against these top echelon teams. No. So <laughs> does he go out and look at a guy to back up Ulmark and allow Swayman to continue that growth that is much needed, very much needed in Providence? Um, only time will tell on that. I don't know how much assets it would really take to bring in a guy who could back up all Mark. Um, I'm assuming it would probably be, I don't want to say like super high end prices, but you know, you might still have to give up a little bit to get a guy who could be a one B. Um, and I don't even know who would be available. I mean, cause then you got have teams like Edmonton who are really, really in need of goaltending who you're going to yeah. be against who definitely have better pieces to get rid of, to get a goaltender. Um, but if I'm the Bruins, I'm definitely focusing on defense because if you, if you're going into the playoffs with a goaltender who has never touched the playoffs before, you need to make sure that your defense is solid in front of him, that very little high danger chances are getting through per game. Um, you need that bad, you know, you need to limit the breakdowns and then on the scoring side of it, like you said, um, I'd like them to bring in a guy who can, I mean, obviously you'd like an upgrade at any position, but I mean, with, with the way Hall is working in between a guy like David Pasternak and Taylor Hall, I would really like to, to see if they could possibly get a guy who could fit really well next to Bergeron and Marchand. 
I think that could help solidify your offense in your top six as well, which would allow Smith to go down to a more comfortable comfortable position next to a, a, a Charlie Coyle. I do like Smith up there. I think it's great, but right now it doesn't seem to be panning out. Am I worried about Smith? No, I'm, I'm not worried about him. He might just be slumping a little bit, but he's definitely not a top-line player. We know that. Um, just like we know that Eric Halla isn't a second-line center, but the only difference is, is that Eric Halla is actually – working he's doing what yeah. he needs to do he's the he, he's the jam in between the bread right now he's really helping that line he's not a passenger in my opinion he i mean i don't think a lot of his points come from really primary situations but he's doing a lot away from the puck to help create those situations that lead to those secondary you know um points that he's getting and i mean if I had to focus on one thing, um, it would be to solidify your bottom six group to add on to that depth scoring for your offense or really get somebody who could come in and play those top line minutes a bit better with uh, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Now, addressing your goaltending concerns um, and, and acquiring a goaltender, I, I kind of think of the Colorado Avalanche when I, when I w- were talking about this and they paid a heavy price to get Darcy Kemper. They paid a, a first-round pick. And, and Colorado also knew that Kemper's um, injury history as well. So that was a really heavy price. And I think he's injured now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, yeah, I, I think he might be injured. But I could be wrong. I'm sure I'll hear about it on, on the Twitter. Well, um, you shouldn't because you didn't guarantee it or say yeah, – Oh, that's true. That's true. That is no, true. You don't know. You're putting it out there. You don't know. <laughs> But I'm also I'm also kind of like interested in 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 what you're talking about too. But uh, I'm also thinking that if Don Sweeney and the Bruins management are serious about getting another goaltender in the mix to 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 play with Allmark, and I'm not saying Swayman couldn't do it, we just don't know what we have yet right. because Swayman, you know, is is not really good against like you said against the top echelon teams. If we get a goaltender in, I'm kind of thinking that Swayman's going that he could be involved into a deal. You know, I just don't see the three-headed monster working out. I don't really see him going back down to Providence, not with with, with what they have right now in Kyle Kaiser. And I'm not saying that Kaiser's playing, you know, unbelievable hockey right now. I mean, he's doing what he has to do in his final uh, year of his entry-level contract. you got Troy Grossink down there, who's a veteran, and he's doing actually really good and so on. So, you got to kind of think about the depth of the goaltending when you're concerning yourself with that situation. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I can understand what you're saying. Uh, there's something to clarify though. I, I don't ulti- I ultimately don't think that Don Sweeney gets a goaltender. I just wonder if he looks at it, you know, right. looks at the situation and kind of thinks to himself, is there a way for me to improve this? Right. Depending on what Jeremy Swayman does, of course, too. Absolutely. For all we know, five, 10 games from now, I mean, we could be looking at a guy who can't even beat, you know, the lower end teams. I mean, obviously I'm not rooting for that. I mean, I don't want anyone to twist my words. Uh, I want Jeremy Swayman to uh, succeed and to uh, be a fantastic goaltender for this Boston Bruins organization moving forward. But um, yeah, sorry, continue. I just had to put that out there. No, no worries. No worries. You just, you know, Hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cover yourself around um, uh, audio, social media and, and written text these days because there's always yeah. uh, those cops out there that love to the correction cops. That's what I call them. <laughs> the Bruins aren't getting a goaltender. What are you talking about? I know. I know. <laughs> 
right, uh, we are about an hour into the program, and that is the time to hear from our friend Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got fantastic stuff, as I always say. I'm, I'm kind of a um, an album repeating itself over and over again because this guy's fantastic and and he does have awesome stuff for really cheap prices spice up the fan cave with black and gold all over you all over the place like kevin did he's done it a couple of times so uh let's hear from uh bruce sullivan from boston sports and music memorabilia and we'll talk on the other side <laughs> Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. Breaking news. We have just hosted Bruins legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Phil Esposito in an exclusive private signing. We now have Bruins jerseys with the Hall of Fame inscription for just $139 and 1970 commemorative Stanley Cup pucks for just $59. Due to this weekend storm, our private signing with Miracle on Ice star 1980 Olympic hockey legend and former Bruin Dave Silk has been postponed until February 6th. We will have Team USA jerseys, pucks, photos, and more. On February 21st, we host Big Bad Bruin and Shoe Fight veteran Mike Milbury. And on February 26th, we have Reggie Lemelin and Johnny Busick. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, Check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! Beast fans, we are back talking Boston Bruins hockey. We just heard from... Um, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Um, amazing person. Get in touch with him. Send him an email and definitely follow him on Facebook because he gives away free stuff if you just like and share his stuff. It's amazing. Um, um, he does have some amazing stuff like like hand-signed jerseys. We're going to be giving this away next week uh, right around the 15th whenever we do another broadcast. This is a Don Marquardt hand-signed jersey 1970-72 Stanley Cup, um, inscribed and fully authenticated by JSA, of course. And, you know, you can get this for a dollar by just going to the, uh, uh, our Patreon account, which we'll talk about later on. So, but we are back talking Bruins and we got two games coming up, um, between now and the time we record next week. So let's talk about the Ottawa Senators game tomorrow. It's a road game in the afternoon on February 12th. And then they hit the road on Tuesday, February 15th, I believe, in game two of a four-game road stretch against the New York Rangers. So let's do a looking ahead. Ottawa tomorrow, um, and they're in the they're way down. They've only got 36 points. They're 16, 23, and 4 after playing 43 games. Um, and they're 9, 12, and 1 at home. And they've lost their uh, most recent game. So they're five, three, and two in the last ten, um, with Patrice Bergeron and suspended Brad Marchand out. Could the Ottawa Senators be a problem, Kevin? Absolutely. Um, this Ottawa Senators team may be down there in the basement, but they have a good team. 
they have a good young team with good pieces that, you know, they're, they're going to be up and coming a lot quicker than people think with a guy like uh, Norris at center. And uh, you got Stutz, uh, Stutzla and, you know, you got guys like that. It, it They're, they're going to be scary. Um, and we've seen how they've been playing against uh, lower end teams like the Kraken and like the Coyotes. And they're just barely squeaking out wins against these teams. And like you said, with Martian and Bergeron out, that's scary. I mean, they they could lose this game um, or squeak one out. I, I don't know. I don't feel like you're going to see them go out, though, and absolutely light this team up. I don't think you're going to see it. I think it's going to be one of those one or two goal games, and it could go either way. Yeah. I, I You're looking at the standings, and it's like – I know you said uh, – I, I believe you said something. I'm not sure. Um, uh, th- this Boston Bruins team has, has a real bad habit of playing down to the, the, their competition. And this is even lower than the low with Ottawa. Um, but they definitely could be that, that team that is just out to the spoiler. Let's put, call it a spoiler for tomorrow. Um, it, it could happen because we're missing two significant pieces in our lineup, especially uh, on our offense and in uh, the number one line. I just think that the, the message needs to be sent that, it doesn't matter what happened this week or previously. Tomorrow is a different game. We start from scratch, then we move forward, you know, and you got to beat this team on the road. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If they don't win, you're just putting yourself in a hole because you're not setting yourself up for the next game, the Rangers, on the 15th, which is a Tuesday. And the Rangers are currently uh, in the third position in the Metropolitan. They have uh, a 30, 13, and 4 record after 47 games. Uh, they are 15, 4, and 2, very good home record, and a 7, 3, and 0 in the last 10, currently on a two-game winning streak. So let's hope Bergeron at least comes back. Because we know Marshan's not going to come back. Even if his games get reduced, I don't think it's going to be that reduced that he's going to be in for the Rangers game. Maybe after the Rangers game, we're looking at the Islanders at the 17th, or even Ottawa the following Saturday could possibly be a return. If the, uh, if the, uh, I always want to call it an impeachment. I don't know why. But, <laughs> but, uh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'll, I'm way off. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, we might see uh, Bergeron come back a little. I, I'm sorry, Marshan come back a little uh, sooner than later. But I don't think it's going to be on Tuesday the 15th. Um, but the Rangers are, are not a joke either. They have solid goaltender in, in uh, Igor Shesterkin. They got a good backup in Georgiev. I can't say that word very good. But they, yeah, they, they're they're very offensive talented. Uh, Panarin and 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 um, Zabinajad and all this freaking stuff. I mean, they're a solid team, and it's going to be hard to uh, beat if you, especially down our two inspirational leaders. So, I I don't know. I mean, it's 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 not going to be easy, put it that way. But I've seen this team do some different things with with uh, some minuses uh, out of the lineup in the past. I don't know if we can do that now, but. I, I just want to be positive as much as possible uh, with the games that are coming up. And, and you know, we are on a f- currently going to be starting tomorrow as a four game road trip. So um, we'll see how we do on the road. It seems like we've been at TD garden an awful lot, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just had a long stretch of home games, went on a short um, 
uh, road trip and came right back for some more home games. And um, like you said about the Rangers, I mean, they, they're my dark horse for a cup finals this year. I mean, they, it's a good team. They're doing solid stuff. And um, it's really hard to gauge what, what a healthy in, um, you know, non-suspended Marchand team um, would look like against these guys because right as of right now for the next six games, you at least don't have Marchand. And it's really hard to kind of distinguish how they're going to match up to these teams. I mean, I think for me, I, I'm like 75% sure they'll probably lose that game um, just because they're not going to have those types of players in there. And it doesn't seem like they have that good enough next man up mentality at the moment to be able to create good matchups. And, you know, in the past, you know, like you said, they've been able to be down a guy like a Bergeron or a Martian and be okay. I mean, more now a Martian because they have Taylor Hall behind him, but now you don't have David Krejci behind Patrice Bergeron to step up and be able to be a top line guy for you because let's face it, David Krejci was a top line center. He played top line center for this team for so long until he was pushed out by Bergeron due to his wingers being traded away. I mean, there's really not much you can do there, um, but you don't have the luxury of having two first line centers on your team anymore. So, um, you know, and you don't even have a, a technically a legitimate two C. So you don't have the depth to really make up for that. And that's going to hurt this team, especially if Bergeron's going to be out for uh, multiple more games. Yeah, uh, for sure. Spot on there, my friend. Um, moving on to the next topic. Uh, if things don't work out this season, is it realistically time to think that a managerial, ch a managerial change could be in the work sooner rather than later? Um, I possibly, possibly the team president being replaced as well. So basically a front office clearing out. And uh, this one is, is from you, so I will let you take this one. Um, I, I think if the Bruins don't make the playoffs this season, I do think that Sweeney gets another season. I do. I don't think they are going to – I don't think they're going to pull the rug out from under them just like that for not making the playoffs this year. There's a lot of moving variables, a lot of things that was thrown at them. Um, but I think that leash will tighten. I think it will tighten and I think they'll have um, a lot less room to kind of make mistakes. And if they were to go into next season and say Bergeron comes back and they're not able to create a legitimate cup, you know, contender out of that, I think, yeah, I think you'll see a big change, very big change. I could, I could definitely buy into something like that, but I'm more on the line as I think that, ownership is getting might be getting tired of the what's going on right now uh, we're talking about we're always talking about windows opening closing and so on i'm kind of like gravitating my thoughts to this is going to be a new team in the next year or two i think that this might be the time to incorporate uh, some fresh faces and in my opinion I, I would really like to see members that have never been a Bruin, period. I'm not saying that former Bruins, they're not smart enough. They can't jump in there and do the job and anything like that. I just want to see something different. I don't want to see the, you know, the you you were 
you were um, a solid member of this organization as a player in years past, and I'm going to stick on to you as much as I can. I want to see a fresh face that nobody knows. It's a new introduction, new idea, new system if needed. Um, I, I just want to see fresh because this team is obviously going to be looking to I don't want to say rebuild. I think that's a little too harsh right now, but it's going to be a serious retool to try to get back into the competitive edge and, and being a top team in the Atlantic division moving forward. So I think that might be needed from somebody with a, with a, a better vision in, in my opinion. And I'm not saying Don Sweeney doesn't have a vision and it's not good. I, I just think this team needs something different. You know, it, it's just, it's almost like the message is not being received from the top down. It's, it's, it's very vocal when it needs to be like when, when this team is not doing good and they get out of the playoffs and they're, and they're end of season um, uh, pressers, they're always like, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do that to be accessible, but you don't do that. It's during the off season, you know, it's almost like you said it. And then after that meeting or that press conference online, Jeremy Jacobs was like, you know, it's like it, it really kills me that, you know, what what they say and what they do is just is two different things. I I I agree. I mean, I, I do. I agree with that. I mean, it would be nice to see whether they do it at the end of this season or the, the end of next season, you know, which whenever they do it. Um, it would be great to see a fresh face in here. Um, one face that I would be willing to obviously bring back but is off the table now would be a guy like Gorton because yeah. he was able to start something and he wasn't able to really see it through because he was an intern GM. God, think of how different the trajectory and the pass for the Bruins would have been if the Bruins decided not to bring in a guy like Peter Shirelli and instead keep Gorton, who – was a big part of that of of that um that entire uh, off season before they finally brought uh Shirelli in that, that oh my god now that would be a trip down that's something that would be really fun to kind of think about is what the team would look like now had Gorton been promoted to GM oh god idea that's an article idea but um <laughs> but um no i agree with you i bring it in a fresh face would be fantastic for this um for, for this team um you know and that stands for the presidency too of this team too you know just i mean neely and sweeney um this is their time to really shine and earn that next um evil for at least for sweeney to earn that next contract and i don't know if he can do it we'll see a GM for me that I've always been high on, and I actually had this guy lined up to be the Bruins uh, GM before Don Sweeney came in, uh, before the 2015 year, and that was Mike Fuda. And, and, and at that time, he was with the LA Kings under Dean Lombardi. And, and, and I don't care what anybody says about Dean Lombardi. That guy was masterful in his drafts, and he built up a, a, you know, a, a, a Stanley Cup winning LA Kings team that I believe won in um, 12 and then again in 14. I could be wrong. I believe um, you're correct on that. Yeah. So, but it, it's the it's the drafting that Mike Fuda does. Fuda is one of those guys that was um, in the Ontario Hockey League a lot, um, scouting. He, he does his homework all the time. And I'm not saying the Bruins don't, but it just seems like 
there's a more aggressive approach to what Mike Food has been doing. Now, I think he is working with an NHL team right now, but I don't think that he's a full GM or assistant GM. I think that he's just one of those guys that just come in and just like uh, an advisor at this point. So that might be something that they might look at in the future. Um, Who knows? But I, I just think that we just need a fresh vision. You know, we need fresh leadership coming right down to, from the managerial position down to the to the coaching staff to to the players and you know we're all going to be on the same board because sometimes it just seems to me like that that we're all over the place on how we communicate and everything like that and and what our real mission is and and that's to win games win playoff series win a cup you know right. ultimately so it, it would also be great to stop having to see the fire Sweeney comments all over the place too. Exactly. Or, or 2015 was a bust. Oh, we'll, we'll still hear about that. This yeah, I know. That I know. will always, I, I swear, it, until we draft the next core um, or, you know, it, the, win the next cup, we're never going to hear the end of it. It's it's going to be an ongoing issue. I'm going to be on my deathbed, and I'm going to be hearing people talk about the 2015 um, draft. So <laughs> that's what we have to look forward to. There. Exactly. Um, let's move on to another topic. Uh, Jeremy Swayman must find another level to his game, or the Bruins may need to look at another. Oh, we already did that. Um, why don't we stay on the, uh, the Jeremy Swayman topic for right now? Does it? Moving forward, I know we touched on this earlier, but moving forward, is the record, which is now 1-7-1 and one against uh, um, playoff teams that are currently in the in the window of making the postseason, is that concerning to you or is that just uh, he's a rookie that still needs to work on his game and so on regardless of where teams are in the standings? It's concerning for me for the Boston Bruins as a team because right now he's being heavily relied on to be a guy who can split games with Allmark up the stretch when it's going to be really intense. Um, but individually for himself, no, he's a young goaltender. Um, he's still got a lot to learn. So, no, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily freak me out at all. Um, I mean, look at Tukaras, the year that they won the Cup when he was the backup – he went like 11 and 14 or something like that. You know, he it's he wasn't a world beater at that time or at that point in his career. Um, so I, I'm definitely not. And, and that that is not me saying that Jeremy Swayman will be too harassed by me comparing, you know, those two. No, it's just saying he's young. He's going to have some ups and downs, especially when it comes to those better teams. They're going to be able to expose them. And it's just how he learns from those experiences and uh, betters himself moving forward. Yeah, I think more work with goalie Bob and obviously more work with Mike Dunham, who was a former Maine alum. So, I mean, there's a connection right there. And, and those guys have been working together since uh, Jay Sway came into the Bruins organization playing down in Maine, up in Maine in the NCAA. So, I mean, the, the this is a guy I want to see in the lineup um, in the future. I believe that they believe that he is the next franchise goaltender. But that also puts a price on that, too you know, in trade value. And and we've all heard, we've all heard that, um, and we all know that our prospect pool is not great. I mean, Corey Promen constantly ranks this Boston Bruins team at, uh, at the Athletic in the higher echelon of the team. I'm, I'm not saying high as in, I should say low, 
and like 27, 28, 30. You know what I mean? Sorry, I'm Captain Fumbles over here. Um, I but, think he's. I think he got him down to as low as twenty five now, though. That's, oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. For the last two years, we've been twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, um, and it's probably the the Lysel and uh, Morai and Swayman, you know, thing that kind of got us a little bit more bumped up per se. Yeah, I mean, but he is the technically technically the highest prospect with the most value right now. Next, next in that line is Jack Sadika. Right. You know, it's just, it's, that's the way it is. It's just, it, you know, it, but unfortunately that's what teams are going to look at. If you're going to go, go after a guy like Jacob Chikrin, you know, Arizona is going to be wanting to get something in return. They're going to want youth because they want to stay at a certain cap number. And Jace weighs technically on his last year of his entry level contract. And his next year is going to be probably a bridge deal, which is probably going to be a million or two million at the most. I don't think he's going to get a huge deal. Even in Boston, I don't think he's going to get a huge deal. Right. I think he's got, he still has to prove it, you know, right. even in Arizona. But that cap value is so low that that's very attractive. Not only is the talent of Jeremy Swayman, but the cap thing is going to be very attractive to a team like uh, Arizona, which is another dumpster fire who doesn't have a freaking place to, to play. So, <laughs> oh my God. But oh, I mean, man. it remains to be seen what goes on. But I, I still have so much faith in Jeremy Swayman. I'm not trashing him, I'm not hating on him. We don't do that here. We're just realistic fans on on value and where we're standing in, in, the, in, the, um, in the depth. But I also don't want to ruin a, a goaltender like him at, at his age with really shitty defense in front of him. You know, we need more than Charlie McAvoy. We need more than Brandon Carlo. But by, by the way, Brandon Carlo, what's up with him? He's been off on a spaceship for a little while. You know, yeah. it sucks, but we need more. We need more. And and defense wins championships, regardless if it, if they if they are able to make a run, which I highly doubt. But that is the narrative that I truly believe. You've got to build from your goal out. Um, and the defense right now is just not not handling what i thought it could you know and if you don't want to ruin jeremy swayman you definitely do not send him to arizona <laughs> yeah i know right Jesus. can you talk about a career killer right there hey closer closer to alaska and everything but still you just don't want to do that think about it you know if you all right so let's say let's say that jeremy swayman you know is Let's say in a magic world, he 100%, without a doubt, is going to be the next, you know, Tukarask. Let's just say that real quick. If you send him to Arizona, he's not that anymore, in my opinion. I think that totally stunts everything that he could possibly do in this league. Um, so if you were to send a guy like Jeremy Swayman to Arizona, I don't know if it would even bite you in the butt. I don't even know because he might not get, you know, the what yeah, he get here or in a better organization to grow. And everybody thought that sending him down to Providence would ruin his career. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Send him to Arizona to what happens. If you want his career ended, send him to Arizona. To Arizona. <laughs> That's too funny. No, but if people want to go all in, like if fans want to go all in, they want to get these things that they that they want to see. Uh, top four, uh, a top four guy like a Chikrin or a top top six center like a Miller. You're gonna have to give up guys like Lissell. You're gonna have to give up guys like Swayman, Lorai. Um, you're gonna have to give them up. And do you want to do that? Yeah, I, I certainly don't. Because we need those. We need those types of players like. 
Like Mason Lowry already right now has like defensive offensive capabilities and he's good at both sides, but his offensive capabilities as a bigger uh, defenseman are very impressive. The way he can get through, and I know we're talking about college kids right now. We're not really seeing the big age influx of like heavy veterans and rookies and so on. But you like the you like what you have so far in the in the tool bag and and ready to break out. But there's a lot of people that are like, I would you sign him after his freshman year? No, no, I would not. Exactly. At least get at least get past your your junior season when a lot of the college uh, athletes, uh, hockey players, tend to sign their first pro deals. Yep. Is right around that time frame, and that's fine with me. Ohio State's a good program. He's learning a lot. He, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was the uh, uh, the defensive defensive player of the week or the month, whatever. And so, he's just the second star of the week or something like that. Even even better. So yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of great things to that you can you can take from a player like that. LaSalle, we haven't seen a right wing drafted in the Boston Bruins organization that's really worked out thus far, besides David Pasternak. That's something that still needs to be addressed. And if we trade LaSalle for something. We're back to like square one, trying to find this right side, you know, gem that we, you know, been been searching for for years. We thought we had it in Senishin in the first round. Sorry to bring up 2015 again, but buddy, but it didn't work out. It, but you really didn't do anything to address that need afterwards until Craig Smith came. Yep. You know, it's just been a kind of a stalemate right there, but. I don't know. Let's moving forward. Let's end. Let's end the uh, podcast. And you're first on the Block and Gold Hockey Podcast with uh, some some words from David Krejci coming out of Europe. Uh, obviously, David's playing for Team Czechia. Um, ah, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. See. See. Yeah. Absolutely. Or I might get an email from the uh, from the uh, uh, Czechia uh, head people in the country telling yeah. me I, I said it wrong. Um, much like the East Coast Hockey League sent me an email saying it's not the East Coast Hockey League anymore. It's the ECHL. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I know. That's what I said, what too. I was ECHL? like, oh, I'm really sorry. What does ECHL stand for? East Coast Hockey League. Oh, shit. I had – jeez. I mean – What a crummy acronym. Jeez. You, you missed the mark on that one. I, oh, was that a pun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's, let's get it back in here. But uh, David Krejci has mentioned that he has um, will not rule out a return to Boston. I'm not sure if that is ever going to happen this year. Who knows what happens next season. Um, and you mentioned that Don Sweeney has said that he has not had any talks. Um, the last time they talked, they, I think Don said it was before Christmas right around that time where he uh, needed to either sign or he would need waivers to come back in. Um, I just think this is another smoke and mirrors thing for the media to, to pick up on and, and raise some hype uh, because we're still um, somewhat desperate for two C and so on. But I, I don't see it happening because of the waiver process. That still remains to be the biggest issue right here uh, with bringing him back. But, um, what are your thoughts on a, uh, on a crazy return and if it will ever happen? Here's one of my first uh, hot takeries of the hot takery. I love that. So I, I I truly believe this too. I'm not just saying this to say it. I truly believe this was Krejci's way of throwing a dart at um, 
at uh, Sweeney and Cassidy because he's already done it before when he came out and was talking about how um, he never got to play with Pasternak really and he wished he could have and he doesn't understand why it didn't happen. Well, now he's just kind of coming out and messing with the fans of Boston to kind of, you know, throw a little dart their way to say, hey, I can mess with you guys from over here. And I, I truly don't think he's actually thinking about coming back this season. I think he just wanted to create a little bit of nonsense in the Boston media, media to um, put a little heat on uh, on what's going on over here. I truly do believe it, too, which is funny. I mean, I'm probably way off, but <laughs> I really do think that's all it is. <laughs> that's hilarious. I I don't – I honestly don't see it happening. Um, I, I maybe next year, but I'm not sure if I want to invest in an aging veteran like that. When 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 we need to get more youth involved, like a Jack Sidneyko and so on. Uh, Jack's on his last uh, year of his entry level contracts. He's gonna real. I thought that next year would be his time to really set the bar and be like, I need to be an NHL player this year, and this is where I'm gonna stay. Um, not this year, but next season, because of the um, the available spots that might be for him. Um, with we don't know what's going to be happening with some of the centers uh, on the bottom six, and I think that he would be a good guy to be involved in that, like that third that third uh, third line center. So um, yes, I don't know. Uh, this one's a tough one for me because I just think it's just it's just something to just, just to um, you know liven up the 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 writers and so on and create controversy and and oh, so on but you know that's literally I, it i honestly don't see it happen but he might he might be a little bored and he's just like you know what i'm gonna say this and watch and watch what happens but you know for me it was either david Krejci was coming back and playing this year with bergeron with rask um you know to really finish what they started or or nothing I don't have any interest in bringing him back next season. Like you were talking about, I think you need to move forward. I think you need to go out and get younger, get yourself uh, the next guy who can step into that top six role. Um, or, you know, even have a space for, like you said, like a guy like a Jack Stanika who, um, you know, as it seems had a good game and playing at his natural position. Um, it seems like it was probably his best showing as a Boston Bruin, um, that's, I'm just going off of what I've seen, what I've read, because I have not uh, been able to actually physically watch it. Um, but if that's what's going on, I mean, I think you got to kind of take a look at it. If he can grab a spot like Steen did uh, yeah. or Vaknin or Zaboral, you have to allow that to happen. Right. No, I agree. All right, my friend. Do you think that's uh, going to call it a, an episode? I think so, man. I mean, I got some Chipotle I got to go eat, apparently. So, you know, I got to, you know, I got to eat that. And, you know, usually we'll be doing this on Wednesdays, which is a lot better for both of us. I mean, this yes. Is, uh, yeah, this not, was not a typical recording day for us. So, no, terrible, terrible uh, technical difficulties on Wednesday when we recorded. But I did some research and talked to the StreamYard folks that provide this platform right here that I pay for. And uh, they steered me in a in a way that we can get this done on a regular basis now. Um, so I'm truly, truly appreciative of uh, the the support over at Streamyard for helping us out. 
Um, with that being said, please um, rate, review, and share the podcast. Subscribe to the Black Bill Hockey Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. You can follow me, Mark Allred, at Black and Gold 277. We do have a Patreon account that I'd like to uh, mention real quick. Um, do, do, do. I think it's right here. Yes, it is. The information's right here for the page, uh, the YouTube viewers. Uh, but if you donate $1 per episode to um, patreon.com slash black and go hockey podcast, donate a dollar, you'll be uh, entered to win weekly Boston Bruins related prizes and also hand signed jersey giveaways like this. Don Mark got one that I talked about earlier for a dollar. You could, I could ship this to you for a buck. It's unbelievable. And also the weekly giveaways include. Pucks, science side pucks. That's Ricky Middleton right there. Nifty, fully authenticated. Rick, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, anyway, but I do know the goalies because I love goalies. Eddie Johnston, Stanley Cup champion, 70-72. Right behind Jerry Chivas. Don Marco, like a hand-signed photo. Can't see it. The light sucks in here. But right there. It's perfect stuff. All that for a It's block. awesome looking stuff. I can definitely, you know – Definitely say is some good looking uh, stuff for your man cave or yep. for your Boston Bruin cave. But all the information is right down there. It's just a dollar. And what we do is we turn the uh, half of your profits into helping us, uh, you know, pay the bills here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast Studios. But we also, uh, the other half of that goes into buying more prizes to give away every week because we love you guys. You guys are amazing. Uh, with that being said, this week's winner is Sharon Dietz. Sharon Dietz, congratulations and thank you for your continued support. We truly appreciate you. And um, that's it. Uh, I will be at the um, uh, Essex Sports Center tomorrow covering the um, alumni game versus the Essex County Correctional Officers uh, Association. So if you are in the area tomorrow, uh, please stop by and say hi. I'll be the goofy one with these glasses and the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast uh, hoodie and carrying like uh, multiple cameras uh, trying to get content for the uh, the event tomorrow. Um, so uh, if you do happen to be there, stop by, say hello. And um, until then, Kevin, thank you very much for the for the first episode. Uh, I think it's going to be better coming out. A little nervous working with a new guy uh, for the first time, but I think that, you know, it's going to get much better from uh, here on out. I think we have a uh, good chemistry, good flow, oh, good yeah. brewing, talky talk. So it, it's, it's going to flow. It's going to be good. We're going to, we're going to, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. We got a lot of great stuff coming up. We got guests that are lined up. We got live streams that we're going to do. We're going to get more involved with our listeners and our fans and so on. So uh, stay tuned on our socials for all of that information. And uh, uh, please be safe, treat each other uh, with respect. And uh, we'll talk next week. With that being said, Mark Allred here for Kevin O'Keefe. That's his Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 265. We are checking out. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at bngproductions, 
at black and gold 277 and at kevin underscore o'keefe 89 also please don't forget to check out our official black website where we cover the bruins organization from the nhl level down to the prospects worldwide peace out mm-hmm.